Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Romans chapter 2, verse number 1. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. Now, who's the thou? Here in chapter number 2, uh, God's going to reveal it in verse number 17, I believe, a little more specifically. But in view now here is going to be the Jew. When this turn of direction now is going to be addressing the law. When we read through Romans chapter number one, especially that last list of sins that we did last week, none of us can escape that. It's almost like you can go to any foreign land or you can go to any group where they've never read the Bible or never have heard about Jesus. And if you read them Romans 1, you can almost bank on everybody thinking that you've been spying on them for six months. <laughs> because Romans 1, it's just so revealing to the heart of mankind that if you have never heard that or never seen that, you would almost take it personal as if somebody sent a spy to see but no, it's personal because it just looks so deep into man's wicked heart. Um, as a Jew, they were perfectly fine in, in being able to declare their judgment against all Gentiles because the Jews thought that they were righteous because they had God's law given to them. If you've been joining us Sunday night or, or listening online about our uh, series on rightly dividing in the law, we understand that the law wasn't given to a Gentile. It was given to the nation of Israel, and they felt as though they had something that the Gentiles didn't. And you try to convince a Jew that he's a sinner because he's got the law is the same stress that you go to trying to get lost people to believe they're lost or the same we run into the same problem trying to get carnal Christians to live right why it's because of our heart our heart just seems to settle our feet down in our self-righteousness and in today's day and age it's increasingly difficult it doesn't matter if you're a preacher by the way it doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher all of us we have God's word, we read God's word, we have access to all of this information, which wasn't as readily available as it was 20 years ago. You couldn't go to YouTube and find, you couldn't go to Facebook and find, you couldn't go to Google and find. You had to go to a local church and just kind of get the best that was in there. I mean, that's kind of what it is. Whether you come here or, or go somewhere, you're just getting <laughs> some guy that, is praying God uses them and some group of people that's praying God would use them. But all in our own way, we all sink our feet down in some type of self-righteousness. And we may not do it as much as we were when we were lost. We might not do it as much as we did when we first got saved. So we just need to be careful of those things. We don't want to become hollow Christians thinking that we're more holier than thou. Because that would not be a Christian way to act or to think. Uh, thou, uh, in verse number one, therefore thou art 
inexcusable, O man. Nobody's the exception. Not me, not you. Whosoever thou art that judgest. Well, who judges? So, I mean, the Jews were pretty judgmental. But it doesn't matter if you're Gentile, you're guilty. It doesn't matter if you're Jew, you're guilty. For thou art that judgest, doest the same things. It says at the end of Romans 2 verse 1. For thou that judgest, doest the same thing. When we did our study on Galatians, we, we read, We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles. And we looked at that argument in Galatians where Paul, he assumes the side of the Judaizers to show them that they're not as righteous as they think they are. They try to justify themselves. They're just condemning themselves. Nathan said to David, thou art the man. All that David had done, it took Nathan to point that finger and say, thou art the man. We got one little boy comes here. They're out this morning, but. A little Judah, that boy gets in mud. It don't matter where. He finds mud. He found the mud out there. He, he found, he'll find the mud out at his house. Boy, would just be covered in mud. If there's rain and mud, he'll find it. And uh, you're not going to convince him that he's dirty and full of mud because he wants to go play. It don't matter. But until his mama takes him and holds him up in front of the mirror, <laughs> mama, I'm muddy. <laughs> Other than that, you just don't see all the dirt and all the mud that's on you until somebody picks you up and sh and puts you in front of the mirror and shows you. And then you realize, wow, I'm dirty. I'm full of mud. We just finished looking at Romans chapter one and look at the end of that chapter. We've got all of those sins that we went through. Look at verse number numbers 29 through 31, and it should be enough. You just read through those as I'm speaking, and you can see it's enough to put anybody guilty. It's enough for anybody to just run right now and turn themselves into God and receive eternal life because we're all guilty. All of us at one point in time were disobedient to our parents. At one point in time, we were unmerciful. <laughs> at one point in time we're, we were full of envy envy but isn't it isn't it like the self-righteous heart of man to read something like that and say well i never did this one this one this one we naturally aren't inclined to say yeah i'm guilty here here and here this is why when a trial is brought before the judge they want to say hey i'm not guilty the guy might be he might just realize there's not enough evidence against him to be proved but he knows in his heart he's guilty. He knows in his heart. We do that. We, we, we treat God like that. We, we're, we're, we're caught. Speeding. We're guilty. There's not enough evidence to prove us wrong before the judge. And we take that mindset. We do that with God. We say, well, yeah, I'm guilty of being covetousness. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of that. But I'm going to go before God as if there's not enough evidence against me and he won't see because I've never done these real bad things. It's just the wrong way to think. God sees. God knows. We're all guilty before him. Romans 2. Wherefore thou art inexcusable. No one. No one has the exception. O man. Whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest. Another. Thou condemnest 
thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same thing. You're, we have all heard this saying, you don't have a leg to stand on. And at some point in our life, we have tried to stand on the leg of self-righteousness. And not a one of us can stand. We think that we're made of a different moral fiber. And we can't think like the Jews thought. Well, I'm a Jew, so I'm made of a different moral fiber. Well, I'm me, so I'm made of a different moral fiber. And all of us before God are guilty. Let's go back to John chapter number eight. Because very familiar, I'm sure, to you. But a great passage to illustrate this point. John chapter number eight. Look at verse number one. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, you see, that's just the heart of man. Jesus is there. People are there. Jesus is teaching. And there goes these Pharisees. They just want to bring somebody out in front of the crowd and say, See, she's guilty. And it wasn't any doubt in the Pharisees' mind. It wasn't any doubt in Jesus' mind. It wasn't any doubt in the crowd's mind that she sure was guilty. Now you tell me if that's a Christian thing to do or not. These Pharisees claim to the law. Yet they wait until there's a gathering of people to now bring somebody out in front and just embarrass the snot out. Who does that? Pharisees. Pharisees do. Verse number four. They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what saith thou? You see, the Pharisees thought they were the exception. And Romans chapter number two specifically is addressing the fact that the Jews aren't the exception. Now, we can tie ourselves in, we've, we've done that earlier, that none of us are the exception. And so they say, stone her. Give her the full extent of the law. Now, watch the Lord's answer. Watch the Lord's answer. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger over the ground as though he heard them not. That's beautiful. Sometimes you just have to kind of, Break through and not hear all the noise. And so when they continued asking him. They didn't get the hint that Jesus was. <laughs> trying to get him to quit. By not responding right away. There was another little lesson in there too. If somebody makes an accusation. It's better to just quit. Kind of like what Jesus is doing here. Not respond right away. Think on it, ponder it. So they ask him again. And so when he, they continued asking me, he lifted up himself, said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and rolled on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. 
when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He's going to taste death for every man. Uh, for God sent on his son the world to condemn the world. world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus came. And before we're ready to stone somebody, we better be careful. We better be careful because we're probably worthy of the same death. Beautiful way Jesus handled that. Go back to Romans 2. Second, uh, second verse. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. We're eventually going to look at the, the foundations of God's judgment in Romans chapter 2. We're going to do that uh, at a later lesson. But this is the first one of God's foundation for his judgment. This first rule of his judgment, if you will. And what is it? That the judgment of God is according to what? Truth. People assume they know the will of God when they don't know the word of God. And we're so good, even as Christians. Well, I believe God's will for my life is. And they can't find it anywhere in the word of God. But it's easier to blame the will of God to do what the word of God tells you not to do. Or people say, well, the Holy Spirit's leading me. Stop blaming the Holy Spirit. For something that the word of God told you not to do. We want to be in the will of God. But we want to make sure. To be in the will of God. It's got to line up with the word of God. And. We have gotten good at blaming God. For things that God's not telling us to do. An example of that would be. You know. Be not unequally yoked. You know a believer. It's not going to be wise for a believer to marry an unbeliever. So you can say, well, I just feel the will of God for my life is, yeah, but that doesn't line up with the word of God. So stop blaming God's will when it isn't his will. We, we like to blame God for things that we want to do. And we know enough Bible. We have enough access to information as Christians. It seems like to be able to justify what we want to do. All I'm saying is I have to be careful. And I'm asking you to be careful about those types of matters. We are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. And let's go to John chapter number 12 for that. According to truth. John chapter 12 verse 47. Any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So what I'm asking myself, what I'm asking you this morning is to allow the judgment of your life to be based on what God said in his word. 
That's how we want to line up our life. What did he say in his word? You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Back in Romans chapter number two, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. You ever get in an argument with somebody? And at the end of the argument, the guy that you're wearing out shows you that you're guilty of the same thing you're trying to wear him out for. <laughs> or vice versa, somebody's wearing you out. And in that argument, you say, well, wait a minute, you're doing the same thing. <laughs> if you've ever had that happen. This is kind of what God's talking about. We like to justify ourselves, but at the same time, we're committing such things. We're doing the same thing. All it is is delusion. Delude ourselves. Try to witness somebody and you say, well, they say, well, I never killed anybody as if. All you have to do is kill somebody to go to hell. It's self-delusion. Well, that's great. You haven't killed anybody. But I'm going to bet you've done a lot of other sins. Well, no, I haven't. Is your wife here? <laughs> Let's hear her side of it. Why? Because we've all done things. We've all done things. And it says in the beginning of verse number two, but we are sure. But we are sure. People say, I need proof. The only thing is, you don't need proof of something that's clearly seen and clearly known. Romans 1 shows us we're all under sin. Matter of fact, look at verse number 18, Romans 1, 18. What say? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Look at verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What do we have here in Romans 1.18 and Romans 1.25? That's facts about our knowledge about God. And do you know what we do with our knowledge about God? Well, if you're saved, you don't do this. But before you were saved, you held the truth. It's not like you didn't know it. You knew it and you held it. How? In unrighteousness. What else did you do in, in verse 25? What else did I do before I got saved, before you got saved? We changed the truth. We knew it. We just held it in unrighteousness and decided to change it. Romans 2, there's a subtle shift in this. It's facts about the condition of man's judgment. In other words, who he is personally before God. Somebody dies without God, without trust in Christ. They stand before the judge, the holy judge, the creator of the universe. That judgment isn't going to be on the basis of your race, your religion that you claim, it's going to be personally you. And you're going to find that you're a criminal against God. We can't claim our race. We can't claim our religion. We can't claim anything but Christ. That's our message to this world. 
verse number three. We'll look at this as the last verse. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Especially lost people, they think it's unimaginable that their sin is a problem for God. Isn't God a loving God? Isn't your God a forgiving God? In other words, in their mind, it's unfathomable that God would issue any judgment or punishment to them because they're them and God would love me. He would forgive me. Why? Because they've not done anything as bad as whoever it is they have in their mind. <laughs> and if you've never killed anybody, you don't think you're as bad as somebody that killed anybody. I'm sure we would all agree that the neighbor we would want would be the one that didn't kill anybody or the doormate we would want would be the guy that's not a murderer or the, you know, the guy we're going to employ. Have you ever killed anybody? No. Okay. You're hired. We don't want to, we can all agree to that, but we can't justify our, ourselves before God because of it and act like, no, it's unimaginable. It's me. Come on, God. We're all guilty. We don't have any defense. Nobody is the exception. The Gentile, they can try to point to their morality, but they're guilty. They can try to find refuge in, in themselves. I can try to find refuge in me and cover myself in meanness, but it's not going to work. The Jew will point to their religion. They're guilty. The Bible says, he that covereth the sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I'll sum up by saying this. Man is not the judge. God is the judge. And I'm asking all of us to not step out of our lane. And step into God's lane. God is the one. Who is the judge. And we should do better at seeing ourselves. Sitting at the foot of the judge. Rather than trying. To seal our condemnation tighter and tighter. By constantly pointing the finger. At somebody else. To give ourselves an excuse. That God come on. It's me. God is the judge. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need I as part of his jury. And by us pointing the finger at somebody else, like a Pharisee would do. Oh, we got this woman, Lord. I know you're teaching all these people. It's a perfect opportunity. Go ahead. Let's point the finger at her. Stoner. No. See yourselves sitting at the foot of the judge. Because you're not the exception. I'm not the ex exception. exception. We shouldn't appeal to our religion. We shouldn't appeal to our morality. We should judge ourselves according to truth. And we find God's truth in his word. Finally, I'll say this. God doesn't delight in judgment. Back in Isaiah, he has to judge his own people. And he calls it his strange work. He doesn't find delight in judging. But nonetheless, he must judge according to truth. 
The Bible says in Romans 8, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not be with him also freely give us all things? He doesn't delight in judgment. And yes, he must judge. But he spared not his own son and sent Jesus Christ to take the full penalty that was due us. And so now it doesn't matter Jew or Gentile. All can be saved if they come to God on God's terms and see themselves as guilty, not make excuses why, Lord, it's me. You can make an exception. Come on, you love everybody. Come on, you're a forgiving God. No. That's the morality excuse. We can't be the Jew and use the religious excuse. Come on, I was brought up in church. I got a religion. Come on, God. No, we have to come to God on God's terms. Repent of the fact that we are a sinner and broken God's law. We're a criminal. And we must repent of what we've been trusting in. Turn to Christ. Put our full faith and trust in what he did and the merit that he has and the value that he holds on what he did on the cross at Calvary. And that's the message we bring to this lost and dying world. They can be saved from their sin. No, but none of us, none of us are the exception. Everybody must come to God on God's terms, not their own. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.